0: But God is good. He is always, always good to us. And uh, he loves you this day. I just have to say that he loves you. I don't think, I mean, I know we will never understand the fullness of what Jesus did on that cross. We will never understand the fullness of who Jesus is and his love for us. We can only understand it as much as our human mind will let us, but his love is so great for us. You should never, ever get used to, oh, yeah, his love. I know about his love. I know about the cross. I know about the blood. We should always, always stop and just take a moment and really think about what that means. To the best that we can, we really can't fully understand, but his love is so great for us. He sent his only son to die for us. He is so good. And I just want to encourage you this day on this Christmas. I believe the Lord has given us a message today. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you bring it. Holy Spirit, you speak your message today. And I just want to just turn to the Christmas story, the first Christmas. I just want to turn and I want to read a few verses. We can find that in the book of Luke. It's in the book of Luke. And I just want to just say first, in chapter 1, the book of Luke, chapter 1, it was prophesying about John the Baptist, and John was going to begin to preach a message in his life, and it says in John, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 77, about John, he said, You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Verse 78, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. The whole message of the gospel, even the word gospel is a word, it means good news, good tidings. It's good news. It's the good news gospel. And the good news is that he took us from darkness, brought us into light, but he gives us peace. His gospel is peace. And as you look over in chapter 2, it says in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 7, it says, She gave birth to her firstborn son, She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, "'Don't be afraid,' he said. "'I bring you good news.'" That good news is this, it'll bring great joy to all people. It's about, verse 11, it's a Savior that you've been waiting for. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, verse 13, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, and you can pull this in the New King James, verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. God's message was peace. God's gift to us was peace. I don't think we fully understand, and yet we need to, But his message to us, the angels are even singing of Jesus being born. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Jesus brought peace. And what did he bring peace to? What was the peace that he brought? Peace that he gave us is not you being relaxed. It's not you being able to breathe big, deep breaths. (laughs) It's not sitting on the front porch with lemonade. I mean, we can have visions, we all have pictures of what a peaceful date is to us, right? Maybe peace for you is running up a mountain. But that's not the peace he's talking about. There was a peace that he made, a peace treaty, a peace agreement. He made peace between us and God. It was glory to God in the highest and on earth, right? We have God in heaven and then man on earth, separated by the gap of sin. And yet Jesus bridged earth and heaven together. That's why he said on earth as it is in heaven. He could only say that because something happened by his life and ultimately through his cross and his blood And that was his life standing in the gap for us. When Jesus was born, the angels rejoiced because they said, finally, man and God can be one again. Finally, they said, peace. Finally, there will be peace, not with amongst men. It wasn't men and men he was talking about. Not finally you'll have peace and the nations will have peace and we'll all be one and we'll just love each other and and." have a a pre-heaven Woodstock. That's not the peace that God was talking about. There's no such thing as peace between man and man, men and woman, without peace between man and God. Any peace outside of peace with God is not peace. Getting ahead of myself here, but the Holy Spirit's preaching. There is no such thing as peace in this earth without Jesus it's such a bold statement and it needs to be start it starts it needs to be proclaimed from the church again we shouldn't be afraid or ashamed that Jesus is the only way there is no other way the gospel of Jesus does not make sense except to preach him as the way it doesn't make any sense otherwise Jesus didn't just give us a 10-step plan of how to be loving and kind to others, and and that'll make a difference in this earth. Jesus is Jesus, the Son of God. He is who he is. And he said, you come to me, come through me. And then something begins to happen in him. Something begins to happen, and who's aware of what happened in him? Who had something happen in you when you gave your life to Jesus? Who began to have a peace inside you that you could never, ever find on this earth? And who began to start to have peace towards others which you thought you never could? (laughs) The peace that he was talking about was peace with man and God. And when we have peace with man and God, then the earth can have peace. We won't find peace with everyone on this earth. It's a very sad statement. It's a blunt statement. And I hate to say that on days before Christmas, but it is the truth. And you need to be aware of that. But it didn't deter Jesus, did it? Did it it deter Jesus? Did Jesus, did his message ever change from love? Did his message ever change from peace, even when they hurled accusations at him? And even when they mocked him? Even when they beat him and put a crown of thorns on him. And, and, I, and I'm giving you your Easter sermon because Christmas is about Easter. Jesus came for one purpose. And I love that we can tell him happy birthday. Doesn't matter, guys, when he was born. If it was now or it was July 2nd. Doesn't matter what the date is. We celebrate the birth and we just say happy birthday, Jesus. And we just give you glory and thank you for coming. But he came for one purpose. He did not come for himself. He came for us. And that cost was his death. But he brought peace to us that we can have only in him. In the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 34, it says, Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, everybody say out loud, in every nation, that's every nationality, that is every culture, that is every person, every people, it is whoever, wherever, there is no one greater or lesser to God than everyone else. God shows no favoritism, but he says in every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right, this is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God. Everybody say, peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. There is only peace through Jesus Christ. There is no such thing, and I'm sorry to be redundant about this, but I must say it again. There is no such thing as peace without Jesus. It is only temporary, and it's only a facade. We've had peaceful moments in our lives, with and without God, but they were only an earthly temporary peace. All those moments leave. There's a true peace that even when the world around you changes and your circumstances change, there's a true uh, peace in Christ that is not related. It's not tied to your circumstances. There's a peace in Christ that is internal. In fact, that's what the Bible defines peace as. Let's just look quickly. Everybody okay so far on this Christmas service? We thank you, Lord, that you're here with us. God with us. Emmanuel means God with us. That's what it means. I'm going to come myself. I'm going to stand in the gap. You do have an enemy. We should be aware that there is an enemy. The devil tricked, and I was preaching about these these last couple of weeks, the devil tricked man into a place of, uh, uh, of deception that, that put us away from God. And Jesus said, I'm going to put him in his place. <laughs> Right? Jesus puts his foot right on the head, right? Even the cross was put on top of the skull, on death itself. The cross was planted on top of death and upon Satan who put it there and crushed him under his feet. He says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under his feet, under your feet, under his feet. The God of peace. So he comes, his peace was to get you, to rescue you from the... War. His peace is that your flesh and your soul is warring with God. It's warring with God. You know, you're not warring with people. You're warring with God. Because the two commandments love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And the second is like it is to love others as yourself. If we're loving God, we love people. If you are warring with people, you are warring with God. We're not really fighting against people, and there's more depth to that. I don't want to get into that today, but you know the verses. We are warring with God, and and so Jesus said, I will stand in the gap, and I'm going to push aside the influence. I'm going to push aside the enemy, and I'm going to make peace if you'll let me. Come on, who knows? We have to let him. Jesus is a choice, and so is peace. Peace is a choice. When we're out of peace, we're out of Jesus. I'm not saying about in and out of salvation, in and out of heaven, but when you're out of peace, and many times we go out of peace, even as Christians, don't we? We get out of peace. And what really is happening when we're out of peace? We've decided to take things back into our own hands and our own strengths. We're trying to figure it all out. But in Christ is peace. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible defines it in the Old Testament as the word shalom. All right? the Hebrew word shalom is defined in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's the Greek word irene. And these words mean completeness, soundness, welfare, peace, safety uh, in human relationships and with God, especially shalom is a peace that had a covenant. It was a God relationship with a covenant. And the true biblical shalom refers to an inward completeness. There was an external war most of the time that Israel existed, and yet the Lord said shalom. He tells Aaron, I want you to bless the people. Shalom. I want you to give these people a blessing. He said, I want you to say, the Lord bless you. Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. And yet they never really had peace in the nation. Very little time did they have have actual physical peace. So what was the Lord talking about when he said shalom? He was giving them a peace that is not uh, reliant upon your circumstances it's not reliant on what is going on around you did you know there is a peace in Christ that's not reliant upon what is going on around you and when we lose our peace who has lost your peace before let's just be honest we've lost our peace many times following Christ when we lose that peace we have stopped relying on Jesus and we must rely on him again because he promised us. And in the, in the New Testament, just quickly, it's the word Irene. And this is the New Testament word for shalom. It's the rule of order in place of chaos. He rescues us from the chaos. But chaos doesn't necessarily leave. I don't want to preach five different sermons at once. But I like to say, I don't like people to suck me into their tornado. But they'll try. You know what tornadoes do? They want to suck everything else into it. And when I sense a tornado, I run. I run from it. They want to bring you into it, and I just choose not to be a part of it. They want to tell you things and try to get you and put their, you know, you can take their issue upon you in prayer and in peace, and you can take it upon you and say, I'm going to give it to the Lord, but it's not upon you. Because as soon as you take it upon you, you get sucked into that tornado and you become one with their chaos. But the word Irene, the peace that the Lord gives us is a rule of order in place of chaos. It means we're unaffected by outward circumstances or pressures. That's what this word Irene means. There's a calm and inner stability. And when pressures around you come, they can't break you. That's the peace that the Lord offers to us. Jesus walked on this earth. He said, my gospel is peace. And yet not everyone accepted him. In fact, everywhere he went, every single town he went into, there were those that rejected him. But Jesus never lost his peace. His gospel stayed peace Even to the cross, it was, as I say many times, and it shouldn't be the last, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do as they were crucifying him. Talk about a man of peace. He had a peace inside of him that was not reliant upon his circumstances, and I think that those circumstances would make every one of us redefine what peace is when they're hurling insults at you, they have stripped you naked and they have nailed you to wood and about to stand you up in front of everybody. And yet he doesn't, they say, remove yourself from that cross. He doesn't respond. He can talk. He was able to speak because he cries out to the Lord later, right? Right before the Lord takes him to heaven. He was able to speak, his tongue was still there, and he doesn't say a word, doesn't respond, doesn't, he's not affected by his circumstances. There is a peace that God offered to us that is internal. And many times you can see a person's life, they can see <laughs> when things are out of whack, they don't have the peace of God again, they need to come back to Christ. Christ had it, but Christ didn't just have it, Come on, it wasn't just Jesus. We can't just say, well, that's Jesus. Jesus said, my gift to you. He said in the book of John, and I'm going all over, so just give me a second to get through my notes here. He said in the book of John chapter 20, verse 21, he said, he came and he said, peace be with you. And then he says in John 20, verse 21, peace be with you. Peace be unto you. But he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And that doesn't just mean the Father sent me as a messenger, so you're a messenger. But he said, my gospel was peace. Peace be with you. The peace that I walked in, I want to give you the same peace. The peace that I have that is unaffected by this world, that is unaffected by people, it's unaffected by circumstances. I have that, and I'm going to give it to you. Here's my peace. God is good, isn't he? Always, all the time. And he has given us such a great gift that we don't even understand how good it is, but I'm going to preach it anyway. His gift of peace is so big. I want to say just a couple of things today. I want us in this Christmas to make peace with God. Just make peace with God. If you're out of peace, you just need to make peace with God. And sometimes as believers, we get weird about moments like this. We're like, well, I'm already saved. If you're an out of whack in any area of your life, just make peace with God. That's really what happened when you got saved. And don't get weird or religious that that can happen over and over and over again. I do that moment by moment some days. Got out of peace again there, Lord. I want to get back into peace. I got out of peace again, Lord. I want to get back into peace. Wow, I'm so all over here. I'm trying to find my way through these notes. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I have something fun to show you today. I'm really touched. The Lord touched me this week with some things, and I'm looking forward to showing you in a minute, but I'm trying to set the stage for it. Thank you, Lord. See, because the Bible says in Ephesians 6, just quickly here in verse 12, it says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers, the darkness, and so on. It's the devil. You know, devil has come to divide. It doesn't matter what the division is, he has come to divide. He wants to divide us in the church, and he wants to divide us in the world, the church to the world. He just wants division. Jesus prayed to the Father for us as his church and as his body, one last prayer, and he said, I pray that they will be one as we are one. God is one, and God wants his people as one, one with him. And the devil has come to divide, and, and I just in any way possible. It's not the division. The division is not the point. It's the fact that it results in our being divided. He doesn't care what divides us just to get us divided. He wants us to get us divided in the church and and in the world and in our families. And we'll never agree on everything. We're never going to agree on everything. In fact, our fallen, sinful nature restricts us from truly being one people. We have to, literally, we have to die as Christ died, and we die with him to really be one. In our flesh, we can never truly be one. Because what does your flesh want? Everybody's smirking because you know what your flesh wants. Your flesh wants what it wants. Your flesh doesn't care about what others want. We say we do, but then when everything, when you take everything away from you, (laughs) the primal instinct of survival and humanity comes up again, and it's me. If your life is threatened, others start fading and going out the window, and and it's me again. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that in an offensive way, but that's just your human flesh. You are spirit inside that body. I'm not saying that that's demonic, but that's your, you can't help it fully. So that's why Christ helps us. That's why the Holy Spirit helps us. That's why we must rely on Christ and the Holy Spirit, because your instinct, your natural human instinct, will think about itself. But we thank you, Christ, that we just keep denying self and denying flesh, and we look to Him, and we trust in Him. And when we realize that the enemy is really the devil, it's not people, And that he's just trying to get us divided. Like Jesus, Jesus was amongst the people. And in fact, they even came to him and they said, Jesus, why do you hang out with the sinners? Why are you hanging out with all those sinners? And Jesus said, I came for these sick people. They're sick. They need a doctor. I'm here for them. It's the reason I came. But Jesus never, ever compromised and became like them. But meanwhile, he didn't hate them, but loved them. Everything that could have divided Jesus from them was there. Their opposition to Jesus was there. The, the wall between Christ and Jesus was there. The opportunity to be divided was there, but Jesus chose to not be divided. In fact, those that should have been one with him were dividing themselves against him. Amen. Is this making any sense today? Merry Christmas, by the way. I love what it says. It says... Of the good news, it says in Colossians, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 19, it says, For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And verse 20, And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. It is only through Christ. It is only in Christ. Christ bridged the gap, and it is only in Him. And so in in the book of Romans chapter 12, when we we know, okay, it's only in Christ, I love what Romans tells us. Romans says this, this verse, in Romans chapter 12, it says, Verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Not everyone's going to accept you. Jesus was the epitome of love. His gospel was peace. He was peace. Jesus is the reason that man even exists. He's the breath in our lungs and so on. And yet he was not accepted. But it says this amazing verse, and this will free you. Who wants to be freed? Who wants to have peace and and be free in the peace that God has you in? Amen. But it says in verse 18, in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, in the New King James, it says, if it is possible, everybody say out loud, if it is possible. The NLT just says, do all that you can. Which I think is fair. That's a fair translation. But I think the New King James, more traditional text here, is a better translation. If it is possible, it's not going to be possible with every single person. But now let's bring the NLT's translation in. But do everything you can to the place where the possibility ends. (laughs) There's going to be, uh, like Jesus, I just said, uh, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, Jesus said to Peter, Peter said, how many times should I forgive? Should I forgive seven times? And he says, no, I want you to forgive 70 times seven. And and as I've said before, the point there is not the number. You can't get to 490 and say, okay, I'm done now. But you must keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. I mean, like when we get to war as Christians, it, it better be, when I say the last resort, you better be dying before we get to war as Christians. His gospel is peace. War is a part of the life we live in. And what I want you to know is it's not, God's wor- it's not God's war, it's not God's world. That's not God. God is peace. Adam and Eve walked in peace with God. But there's an enemy that wants you warring with God, which then just makes us war with everyone and everything, even yourself, who wars with yourself, maybe even more than other people. He just wants division, even in your own body. That's why we need the word of God because the Bible says in Hebrews 4 that the word, rightly, it divides. It will show you soul, flesh, my desires, and God. It will separate for you because even in yourself, the devil wants division. That's what flesh is. Just divided, warring with everything and everyone. And who can see that today? Who can see that everything and everyone, during the Christmas season especially, if you go near the mall, you will see the devil. <laughs> that's where he lives during Christmas. <laughs> it's like, hey, that's fine. That stop sign is apparently just for me. It's fine. I'll just wait. I didn't realize it was if you stop. I, I stopped with you, so you right two per stop sign now. I, they have places to be. I don't. That's the difference. I got nothing else to do. No places to be. But he says in Romans, if it's possible, in New King James, verse 18, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. If it's possible. But I I love that verse because it'll free you, but that place that you'll find where It's not possible, is not a place that you should ever find. That is only defined on the other's part. We are going to live for peace, 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 peace. And if they, if the other party just keeps rejecting you, there is, I've had people in my life that I have tried. I have extended everything and every part of me sent them messages and even gone to their house to try to extend peace. I have many, especially even as as you grow in the Lord and the Lord starts Fi- refining and, and pushing you towards places and positions and so on, the devil wants to divide even more. So, I've had more divisions in my life in the last five years than in my entire life. Once the Lord starts pushing you to be a pastor, you're going to have a lot of division. Not from God and not from me, not intentionally. But I have tried to give peace, 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 and they just won't accept it. And there's nothing more. That's where this verse comes into place. I'm not going to change my stance, just as Christ didn't on the cross. We can't change that stance. Even if they don't receive you, that's not a lack of peace. I have peace. And it's not like, well, I've got peace. You don't. Stinks for you. (laughs) That's not the peace I'm talking about. The peace that they won't receive should break you. It should bring you to tears when you think of those people. There should be compassion in you that they won't receive your gift of peace towards them. I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about believers. It's heartbreaking to me, but imagine if I'm feeling those emotions, what God feels. I'm also not judging them in any way whatsoever. Not that they would know because they're not listening to me anyway. But it continues in Romans 12. It says, verse 19, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Anger. Leave that to the righteous anger of God for the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, everybody, come on, let's read these verses out loud. If your enemies are hungry, feed them if they are thirsty give them something to drink in doing this you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads it's okay that we didn't say it in unison That's fine <laughs> don't let evil conquer you but conquer evil by doing good the peace that God gave us is the peace that Jesus had we need to understand that it's not a human peace It's not a peace like this world. His peace was not reliant on your peace. You as in the unknown, not you in this church. My peace is not reliant upon your peace. I'm going to walk in peace whether you want to walk in peace with me or not. I'm going to choose peace. And I want to bring us to that verse. Jesus said it actually just as plain as that. He says in the Book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 9, and you can bring this up in the New King James. He says, Blessed, everybody say, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I love the Beatitudes. Who loves the Beatitudes? Matthew 5, and just goes through the blessings of God. You're blessed if you're this. You're blessed. Blessed. Blessed a blessed people by living a certain way, by acting a certain way, by being a certain way towards God and so on. There's some blessings in this list for us. And this is the only one, though, that actually says you'll be sons of God. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God. He literally welcomes us to share in his sonship. We get to share in the sonship of Jesus Christ as a son of God when we are peacemakers why is this does this mean like you know if you go strive for peace i'll make you a son of god i don't believe that that means that i mean i think he means you the, they're the same at once and only god can do that it's not strive for peace you'll be a son of god or you're a son of god and then you'll have peace it's this it's this thing that can only happen in god it's like i'm in god which makes me a son, which makes me have peace. I have peace because I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God because I've made peace with God. But he says, blessed are the peacemakers. The peacemakers. In the book of James chapter 3, it says, and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace, And reap a harvest of righteousness. God tells us clearly in His Word that He is peace, that He's given us the gift of peace. I mean, I could go on and on, which I'm not going to, about His peace. It's been given to us, it's in us, and then He asks us to. Give it. See, firstly, we must have it. That's why in Philippians 4, verse 6, it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. As we live in Him, as we keep giving us to Him, we keep giving all of us, there is a peace that comes. Who has had a peace come when you abandoned more to Christ? And who finds more peace when you abandon more to Him? And as I've been saying throughout this sermon, I'm going to say it again, if you are lacking peace, then there is something in your life that you are holding back from God. That's the blunt truth of it. Even if that is a fear of death, then you are not fully abandoned to say, well, what is death? There is no such thing as death. If I'm worried, I'm out of peace because I'm in worry. Well, that's just telling God I don't trust you. I don't trust that you're the one that literally made me from the dust and breathed your own spirit into me. And everything I do and everywhere I go and everything I touch and everybody I'm with is from you and made by you anyway. And yet I'm in worry. We just thank you, Jesus. Jesus is here, isn't he? God with us. He's here today. The devil just wants to divide and he's not going to, it's not going to work, is it? He's not going to divide us needs to be said right now. Maybe it seems out of place for you, but the Holy Spirit needs to say that devil's not going to divide us. We are one in Christ. Thank you, Lord. We have been given new minds, new hearts. We live in Christ. And then in verse 9, it says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. He's telling them, listen, everything that you that I've been encouraging you to do to give it, keep giving it all to God and, and that's living for God, you're also going to be loving people. And he says, then the God of peace will be with you. So we see that the word gives us this. It says that the Word gave us peace, so now we can give peace. And in fact, the Bible says, in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 2, it says in verse 14, for he himself our peace. Actually, we have the Amplified on there. Let's pull up Ephesians 2 verse 14. It says, for he himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace, our bond of unity and harmony. He made us both Jew and Gentile, this is, this is to basically the Lord just wiped the slate clean. It doesn't matter who you are, what family you were born in. It doesn't matter how you were raised. It doesn't matter what you were taught. It was everybody on the entire earth has been brought together in peace. One body, he's broken down, he's destroyed, he's abolished the hostile dividing wall between us. The devil came and put walls and divisions between us. Sin put divisions between us, our own greed and envy and jealousies and all the stuff of the flesh that comes from, from being outside of God put up walls in every single way that it could. And yet the Bible says that Jesus came as peace and he came to destroy. He came and he broke down those walls between us. And he says by abolishing in his own crucified flesh. Jesus did it in his own flesh. He was crucified for us and he called the law and the decrees and so on that he might create in himself. He crushed it, he annulled it so that in himself one new man in Jesus there is only oneness we're talking about coming together being one the world wants to be one the devil's trying to create his own one world system outside of god it's not going to work it doesn't work because what it's going to do is just certain people in power and t- and then there's tyranny and we've seen that try to come in our in our world wars people try to come up and unite and they create their own worlds and get rid of this nation get rid of this people and it doesn't work there's only one in Christ there's there's only been one through Christ. I'm saying this redundantly because this is the gospel. This is the good news that Jesus came to bring peace. He brought peace to us. He brought, brought peace to us. But the peace that gets rid of the divisions is only in him. We make ourselves right with him and then we become one with each other. It's one new man so making peace. Jesus created peace. He created peace. He created peace. It says, He designed, verse 16, to reconcile to God, both Jew and Gentile, united in a single body by means of His cross, thereby killing the mutual enmity and bringing the feud to an end. Jesus brought that war, that feud to an end that war between us, that war between us and God. He put it to an end and it says he came, verse 17, and preached the good news. That glad tidings, that's the good news. This was his message, his message to everybody on the earth. There is no nation, there is no greater, there is no lesser. All of it, all of it has been annulled. All the old has been annulled. It doesn't matter who you are and how you were raised. It is only through Christ that we will find peace, and that peace will bring us together. Thank you, Jesus. John 10.10, 10, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus is peace. He is the only peace. He is peace. Anybody got it? (laughs) Like I said, sometimes we hear things, Though we we hear them like, oh yeah, I know that. I know that. It just needs to be said. Peace on earth. The world puts peace on earth in front of their Christmas displays, but they don't They're not including Jesus. They're talking about a facade, something that's not real. It's only in Christ. Jesus is the only thing that can unify us. It is the only thing. And you, this is the heart of the message, you have that within you. If you have made peace with him, if you have made peace with him, then now you carry the same gift of peace within you for others. And that is the only thing they need. You don't need to give them anything else. You just give them Jesus. And that doesn't mean they're going to accept you. But that's all that you can do. That's all that, if that's all that Jesus could do, then that's all that Jesus is asking of you. And I'm telling you, if the church, if we as his church would just give people Jesus and not try to give them all kinds of creative ways that kind of look like peace and love in Jesus but without giving them Jesus, we would just be a lot better off. We just stick to the gospel message of Jesus because his word is so clear. I mean, it's just I've only touched a piece of it in this time over and over and over again that it's only in and through Jesus is only in and through and inside yourself and with others. Just wanted to play a video. And before we play it, I just want to tell you this amazing... I just discovered this. This is history that many of you may have known your whole life. But I just learned of this. And it's well known. That's just me in my ignorance not knowing it. But um, in World War I in December of World War I, 1914, the Germans and the Allied nations had had come to a stalemate. Everybody's aware of trench warfare. This is where trench warfare was, uh, uh, where it began. And they end up in Belgium, and they end up in this area called No Man's Land. And this... Trench warfare here in 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 uh, in December, in the cold, in the snow, was so close that they were only some of these trenches from enemy to enemy a hundred feet apart. That's basically the distance from the back of that wall to just past that wall there. That's how close. They and their enemy just stuck, literally stuck. In fact, I read some stories. The mud was so deep that a man fell down his knees, down into his knees into the mud, and the officer told him to get up, and he tried to get his boots out, and then his arms got stuck. I mean, these guys were literally stuck, literally stuck. But as Christmas approached, on Christmas Eve, uh, Christmas approached, the Germans put out Christmas trees, little small trees by their trenches. Imagine right in the middle of a war. But the men in the, in the, the men in the trenches, they're not sharing the political views of the powers that be or, you know, why. They're just kids. In fact, when I read, just reading the history, so many of them were 16 and 17-year-old kids out there in these muddy frozen trenches killing people because you're told to 100 feet away. I can't imagine. Yet this is history. And they began to put out Christmas trees and light candles on them on Christmas Eve. And then they began to sing Silent Night. And they recognized the tune The Allies, the English, recognized the tune in their trenches and began to sing it with them. Imagine two enemies singing a Christmas carol together, trenches apart. They've been killing each other, fighting each other. And now they began to sing Silent Night. And then the story, there's many, many different stories. But the most famous one is then the English began to sing Noel. And then the Germans clapped for them for singing it. And they began to exchange these songs back and forth until finally, um, on Christmas morning, they came out of their trenches with their hands up and they met in no man's land and shook hands and exchanged gifts and gave each other haircuts all the needs that, were, that, were a bit, you know, that they weren't able to take care of, they literally, in fact, the English I was reading, they had, the, they had the, the worst side because they were downhill, so they were actually in waters. They had trench foot and everything, so they weren't able to get out. You lifted up your head, a sniper would kill you. So this relief on Christmas Day, they came out, and in fact, the story goes that they even um, exchanged buttons and exchanged cigars and candy or whatever they had, and even played soccer together for one day. I heard this story this week, and I was just, it still touches my heart so much, because even in the midst of a war, we are in the midst, there is this world is a war zone, and it is not, you need to get this in your mind as Christians, we are not gonna see true peace on this earth. We're only going to find peace in Christ, and we're only going to have peace with those that share Christ with us. That's the gospel. It doesn't mean you stop giving peace to somebody just because they won't receive it. We are, that's the only way they're going to receive it. How can someone receive a gift? The Bible says, how can they know unless someone tells them? The only way they're going to get that peace is if I am giving it and if i'm giving it weird or holding it back because they're not responding then they're not going to want the gift that we have at all and i was so amazed by this story because the somebody i was listening to this 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 uh 80 something it's it was it's probably 15 years old now but he was 80 something at the time this englishman tell his story and he's like nobody organized it it just happened And history says that over 100,000 soldiers, I mean, battles were still going on. Many still died that day. And some thought that there was peace and were shot. But over 100,000 opposing enemies gathered and shared Christmas together. And I just thought the picture was so incredible that you know what the unity was? Historians can say whatever they want. Historians can say they were just tired of being in the trenches, and I'm sure that that was a part of it. But I believe as a believer, because everything revolves around Christ. I mean, everything, doesn't matter what it is in our world, everything, I don't care what answer they give me, I'll take their answer and then I'll, I'll filter it through the word. And the only reason that that worked is because of the common bond of Christ. That even though, even after that, they probably had to go back, they probably, even in the future, shot, some of those, because they were stuck. I mean, that's the world that they were in. There's nothing that we can, they, they could really do to get out of that, unless you wanted treason. But then they'd be in heaven together anyway, and that's beyond our human thinking, but that's the truth. But there was a peace because of Christ. Christ is the only thing on a battlefield, nothing else. There was probably some handshakes. I was thinking there was probably truces in any war, handshakes and exchanges of goodwill at any time in any war, even up to date. There's exchanges of goodwill. But to truly have one on that magnitude right in the middle of no man's land in the middle of death. There were so many bodies. When they came out of the trenches, they hadn't have come out of the trenches for months, five months of warfare. When they finally came out, there were so many bodies that the first thing they did, and this is incredible, the Germans and the English, the Belgians, the French, they buried their dead together. They held services for their dead together, made crosses together. Only Christ can do that. Even in the middle of war, we are living in darkness, in a dark world, in in war, but we can choose peace. They defied their officers. You can defy those that tell you you need to pick a side. You don't need to pick a side, just pick Christ. Christ has no sides. Jesus has no nationality. Jesus has no color. Jesus has... No particular way of worshiping as long as it's worshiping Jesus. That's been on my heart a lot. We need to let Christians, we need to let other Christians worship Christ the way that they want to worship Christ. As long as Christ is the center, let them do what they want to do. They want a guitar, they don't want a guitar, let them be Christians. That's another thing. But I just want to play this video and I want you to leave with this. Jesus is the only thing that unites us. The cross and on this Christmas day, they, they found peace and opposing and even in enemies through Jesus.